0: In a world where Ronald Acuna is worth $100 million and a team can trade Kevin Pillar for three players in return,
1: ladies and gentlemen dingers let's go
2: welcome to dingers the only fantasy baseball podcast for smart people it's not just jock peterson that wins championships that's why weekend and weekend we're delivering tips and strategies to help you live that straight up og lifestyle i'm tyler childs joining me again this evening is robbie baseball
0: good evening tyler i forgot
2: to do this what's well, nice because then we can do it together Wonderful. And, you know, cracking my beer this evening, I went off the board. Waterloo has a new craft lager, uh, which I'm trying for the very first time right now. Very cool. Uh,
0: I today am drinking a delicious triple bogey once again. And I ran into at work a rep from Cowbell Brewery, which is in London or London area. And I did everything I could to not mention the podcast to him because I was in my chef garb um, and I decided that I would just ask him for a business card to then email him later (laughs) and say, bitch, give us some of your beer and we will talk about you cowbell brewery here on this podcast.
2: Yeah. And and I think we should even throw it out that, We will have an arbitrary cowbell that we can ring throughout the show, right? Was that a moo? Did you just moo? (laughs) It was me drinking a beer, but moo, I like it. Maybe it could just be a moo. (laughs) Yeah, either way, I'm good with either of those options. So uh, welcome to the cowbell marketing team with (laughs) Bob and Tyler. (laughs) (laughs) So jumping right in today, we do have a stop on the Tommy, Dr- Tommy John Train Express. Uh, all aboard Hunter Green. Next stop, Dr. James Andrews Laboratory. <laughs> 18 months of purgatory for you. <laughs> and So Hunter Green is one that I think a lot of people are going to miss. A, a po- possible two-way guy, uh, which, let's be serious, he's a pitcher. Um, you know, at the end of the day, that, that hurts Cincinnati, who, uh, you know, isn't super deep in high upside pitching, so they they kind of needed Hunter Green to be there at some point in time. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll see. I mean, Tommy John is bound to happen these days, as Rob's alluded to uh, in, in the Prospects episode, that he puts more value on guys that have already had Tommy John. Um, yeah, baby. There's some there's some real talk to be had about that, though. That's a real thing. Uh, so I appreciate where you're coming from there. I, I don't necessarily – get scared of those things, but um, I I appreciate where you're coming from. Yeah, I think he's the
0: unfortunate current prospect that's now um, got it. I mean, we still don't know uh, how Jesus Lizardo is going to recover. And I mean, not that that was something that was potentially imminent for him, but um, yeah, like you see this happen with guys, they take the time off, they come back they might become better pitchers out of it. They talk or you hear a lot of people talk about pitchers versus throwers, whereas your thrower earlier in your career and you may or may not sustain an injury and later on you become a pitcher and you are able to better locate sometimes your velocity drops. Uh, I kind of get the impression that with early Tommy John, you might become a pitcher without losing that velocity later on in life. So if you think about Mark Burley earlier days, Mark Burley later days, he didn't have the big injury and lose all the time but just the idea is that they might become a little bit better at knowing the game. Whereas early on their talent can get them by. So just a little aside. So don't, don't go killing Hunter green everywhere. Um, but certainly just wait
2: or take advantage of owners that are hitting the panic button.
0: yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. This is a time where he wasn't going to play this year. Anyway, you might have somebody who's on the cusp. Like I would 100% trade Mitch Keller if I had him right now for Hunter green. And I would laugh my way to the bank on that one because I just feel like that's a deal I would make prospect for prospect, and at the same time, like there's a million other prospects that the uh, Hunter Green owner would probably be happy to take, so you don't even take a hit off your MLB roster.
2: Yeah, well, the thing for me that'll be interesting with Hunter Green is is you know obviously this is a very interesting comparable to Shohei Ohtani. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if he gets a little bit more development time uh, swinging a bat and, you know, I don't like it might actually revitalize the possibility of him being a position player. Um, you know, I still think, as I said earlier, that's unlikely, but uh, you know, the reality is this might push down that path more than what might have been before. So let's see how that one plays out. But um, you know, we've had a string of early season injuries that have absolutely changed the course of a couple teams here so uh you know the big one uh, is a guy that i traded because this part of his game scares the crap out of me uh and that's giancarlo stanton uh who's out with a bicep strain for at least a month um and based on stanton's injury history i would say it's probably going to be longer than that assuming the yankees aren't tumbling down the standings um which is remotely possible if they continue to roll luke luke void out there um so we'll see how that kind of plays out here for the next little bit but um you know not not to mention that you know andahar also went down uh and is out for a little bit longer period of time so he could be out into the summer by the sounds of the, as a possibility uh, i don't know that they quite have that table just yet how long he's gonna be out but uh could be could be significant well they've talked about
0: him as a potential tommy john but uh, he has come out and said that he doesn't think he's going to require any surgery and he should just need, you know, the time to heal. But when everybody was talking all off season about what's going to happen with the Yankees infield and what's going to happen with the Yankees one through nine, well, that got sorted out quick. Luckily for the Yankees, they signed good old reliable vet, Troy Tulowitzki, who's going to give him an easy one sixty two.
1: And and,
2: so all has, <laughs> and absolutely no risk of future injury. like primed for a bounce back yeah he is he's the iron man of baseball so um you know it'll be interesting though that how he accepts the demotion to third as he sees it yeah
0: well it's true because you're not going to throw I don't think anyway that you're going to throw Torres over there and DJ LeMay he was a gold glove second baseman so it seems pretty possible that you would say hey Troy slide over you know, you're, you're you're not taking a, a hit in this stent uh, in this stance. You're actually going to be guaranteed daily lineup. And
2: I don't know. I mean, it, once DD comes back in July, he would still be the third baseman. He's actually just sitting in the Yankees dugout right now, practicing his interview furrowed brow for when they ask him about how he feels <laughs> about playing third. <laughs> I wonder who has a grumpier look on their
0: face day to day. Uh, Tulowitzki or uh, Oscar the Grouch, (laughs) I was gonna say, in Hap because that man never looks happy. And now that he's uh, still yet to play a game because the minor league season doesn't start until the fourth, um, yeah, he's probably got a big grump face too.
2: Yeah, it's it's wild, but you know, moving on to a more of a freak injury, uh, Daniel Murphy in Colorado out for about a month and change as well. Uh, again, another team with some good depth, so they're not really gonna face any real issues there. Um, this one
0: solved a problem for you and I in our uh, 14 team league because we had you had McMahon or have McMahon, I have um Hampson, and yeah. now they're both going to play every day. So,
2: well, the interesting thing that I've not heard anybody mention though, and this is the one that I think warrants some conversation like, there's still a very distinct possibility. Ian Desmond goes back to first a little bit too. You also, yeah, that's true. You also have Matt Reynolds there as well. So, Mark. um, you know, sorry, yeah, Mark Reynolds, my bad. Uh Matt reynolds is their bad boy <laughs> i don't know <laughs> <laughs> so if i'm colorado i think this is a better excuse to get tapia in the lineup uh right. rather than than reynolds so for me i think there's a real conversation about putting desmond back at first um mcmahon's also going to play first a little bit so um i think i think you'll just see tapia get in the lineup a little bit which is for the same reason uh you know hampson is there that's why tapia is there so um you know getting those two guys lined up I think will be beneficial it'll also give them some trade depth um if they choose to move some guys here um if they need to shore up the bullpen because Jake McGee went down today too with a knee injury as well so um they they could need some injury or some some uh replacement parts in that bullpen because it is a little risky on the age side there
0: yeah the hits are coming for Colorado and Tampa Bay with Joey Wendell not um, necessarily as huge of a concern long term and Christian Arroyo who I have taken in several leagues thinking he was far more popular in Tampa Bay's eyes uh, he got called up so I'm just crossing my fingers that that guy can hit a couple dingers and maybe change people's mind before he goes back in into AAA and uh, hopefully not the purgatory that could be his future as the 27th 26th man on Tampa Bay's at the chart so
2: yeah i think he's in Jake Bauer's territory where they're trying to show him off so they can move him um uh, you see that a lot doesn't mean that that's how it's going to play out but um you know back in the bullpen uh, the other guy who you like a little bit um Cordy Knebel obviously kind of on the wrong side of the injury conversation right now
0: yeah he is going to go ahead and uh, get cut And we won't see him for a bit, but the fun part in Milwaukee is the hits keep coming with them. Uh, They now are for sure going to be without him for the season. And Josh Hader just steps right into the closer role. So uh, Jeremy Jeffries is out as well. I don't know, trying to think of how long his injury is going to be, Um, but it almost looks like there's opportunity in Milwaukee and you can't, I can't think of a team that would be more desperate to stay in contention throughout the year than Milwaukee. So I could see, some potential early trade coming their way as far as immediate depth, because some teams just do not want to wait. And they might know that those, you know, three or four games in April could be the difference come September when you're trying to lock up your division versus the wildcard game, which, you know, it's a game. It's not a series like it used to be. So you don't want to take a chance and, and uh, wait for a one game playoff anymore.
2: Yeah, no, I totally agree. And we've talked about it before. I, I just don't believe Milwaukee's pitching depth is good enough for them not to have a rock solid bullpen. Uh, it could force their hand on a Kimbrel, uh, but it definitely will at least force their hand on a trade. And uh, sitting on that Milwaukee conversation, uh, let's let's dive right into week one. Who's hot? Um, and no other than the NL defending MVP, Christian Yelich, who started the season with four straight games with bombs. Uh, and they weren't light bombs. Did you see the one he tomahawked? on Sunday.
0: No, I was too busy being distracted by the game was it the game-saving catch that um oh, whoever the outfielder was caught low, and they okay. Yes, and they made the like reference uh, about Josh Hader that like if I didn't forgive him for his racist comments, <laughs> I wouldn't have caught the ball. Like it was a, a fake MLB meme thing. I'm sure it was fake. That's I just scary. thought it was yeah, you know, I thought it was hilarious like I wouldn't have caught the ball if I didn't forgive his racist ass.
2: <laughs> like, oh, good one, fella. Okay. <laughs> and tongue, and tongue yeah and But yeah. no, Yelich picked a fastball off his eyebrows and hit it like 460 feet to right field. It was a bomb. Um, and you know what? I'm I'm not the biggest Yelich supporter. Uh, I'm I'm interested to see if he can sustain these power numbers that he's really had in the last you know eight eight or nine months here. Um I, I just don't know. Like I, there's not enough of a sample size before that for me to see him turn a corner in a power way the way he has it's just uh, there's there's some concerns i have for him but you know everyone else seems to love him so i you know i'll keep those to myself i guess
0: yeah and he's producing right so until that time comes when he i don't know struggles for three weeks i, I think it's going to be hard to knock him off and he's kind of got the body type that you think of a more wiry like ben baseball player all around guy yeah but i mean if he's going to be a powerhouse like that's good and you know moving from one powerhouse to another uh cody bellinger has started so hot right now <laughs> um i am really excited about the dodgers team but their lineup seemed to be weird i think tonight they've got Kike hernandez leading off i know he's you know i think it's lefty their play uh, lefty masher but um He's he's doing what everybody thought he was going to do last year right off the hop, and hopefully he can sustain himself to some level so he can get back into those thirty thirty bombs and uh, mid teen steals, uh, and and I mean it, the better he does, the better the Dodgers
2: are going to do as well. So. Yeah, no questions. I mean he he's a he's a potential swing and miss guy. That's really the only red flag in Cody Bellinger's game. Like other than that, everything else is there, um, and and obviously the hot start is is a nice thing to see um it, especially considering there was just really a sophomore slump right because his first year in the big leagues was pretty exciting so uh if he can get back on that kind of pace uh watch out uh, they they could be a lot better than i expected them to be uh in that NL West but uh moving on to a guy that i know nobody was high on i know a lot of people still are not high on i
0: know one guy that's really high on him
2: yep that that would be me uh yamakata uh, I, I watched a couple of his games this week. So, you know, I watched a lot of his games last year. He just has a different approach. I will say he had one at bat on Sunday that looked like the old Moncada. Uh, pretty much four pitches, three useless swings. Uh, but everything else I've seen from him looks better. And so I, I'm expecting him to get to that for sure 20, 20 home run number this year with probably 85 to 90 RBIs and 90 runs scored they uh, they're, they're going to run with him in the two hole until he gives them a reason not to. Um the real challenge for me for Moncada will come when and if they trade Jose Abreu. What that would do for him from a production or a protection standpoint, I I just don't know. That's hard to see uh until it happens, but that would be the only potential cliff that I would see for him this season. Uh, I do expect him to take a big step forward. We know you do, Ty. Only three strikeouts and seventeen at bats. That's well ahead. Which is, of... is yeah, that's
0: definitely something to note for him as yeah. an improvement
2: early. Because that's the thing that scares everybody. It's not if you take his strikeouts away and give him a hundred strikeouts last year, um, the conversation in Yamankata is very different this year.
0: Definitely, and his his 2018 has made me hesitant about his you know future years. So um, this would be a I mean, obviously it is a good start for him if he can keep that. K percentage below, I, don't, I don't know three and 17 is not realistic for him to continue. But if he can keep it below 20%, he's going to be a markedly better player.
2: Yeah. So like the, he in the two, sorry, in the tool hole, he's going to have 600 bats, right? So if you get him to 150 strikeouts for the year, right? Down 60 from last year. Whatever, yeah, that'd that, be huge. Like yeah. he's a top 50 player, no questions. That's, I guess, where I'm going with that. Well,
0: <laughs> he's a much better player for sure. But somebody else who is now, uh, returning to form, if we want to say that, uh, Mr. Zim Zimmer, Jordan Zimmerman, who is uh, currently pitching for Detroit in his second start. And he went, or sorry, I guess he's done now. Uh, I think maybe, no, he's still pitching. Uh, he's got himself his second quality start. Uh, what are we, yeah, bottom of the seventh, 1-1 against the Yankees. So he's picked it up. He's now pitched almost 14 innings. He's got 10 Ks, which that's that, that's like the peak for him right now. And yep. two starts which probably ties uh, his total for the last four years <laughs>
2: but, well, he's, he he has a good season like every three years so it was know, his contract
0: training. year in washington right and then him and scherzer switched and then everybody in detroit went oh that didn't work out <laughs> there's old uh, blue and green eye let's get, get him back here scherzer <laughs> <laughs> yeah they, the husky Yeah, that's right, yeah. So Scherzer does have that husky look, but Zimmerman is uh, doing himself a lot of favors right now and pitching well. He did eat up a very weak Toronto team. There was a lot of contact in that game, however, with only the four Ks. Tonight, he has done a little bit better for himself, having six Ks in six and two-thirds innings. Looks like he's been pulled now, uh, and it's a 1-1 tie, so he's not going to get a win tonight. But regardless, he... Could be somebody to watch. He's not necessarily somebody you're going to want to invest much in. We just know he's a guy who's going to get the ball every fifth day. You could be in a lot worse situation if you had picked somebody who did not make their 25 uh, man roster or the five man rotation if you're looking to just make sure you're getting more starting pitching in with Jordan Zimmerman.
2: Yeah, and I mean, this is a guy that I drafted really late in one of our 30 teamers. And you know what? I, I, it was really a rotational depth guy for me. Uh, it's similar to like a Gio Gonzalez type pickup. Pretty happy with the early returns. I will say this. I've watched both of his starts and uh, even not all of the one that is going on currently, but a good chunk to to recognize the stuff is very different than what it was last year. So um, a guy to keep an eye on. The, the slider is as sharp as you can get a slider right now. So uh, if he can throw enough strikes, he's going to be tough to hit around this year. And
0: the one thing with Zimmerman that I, I was watching uh, his start earlier tonight, they did mention that um, he has thrown at that point, I think it was 2019 first strike pitches to the 21 batters he had faced. So he's he's getting ahead early, which is always the most important thing and there's that ever every year running stat that we all know that a batter, pitcher or sorry a batting average goes down considerably somewhere in the 40 to 60 points as they get strike one after they get strike two. And obviously, streak three, they're out. So um, it's somewhere in the 230s, I think, after strike two. Last year, I think it was below 260 uh, when they get a first pitch strike. So in the dead ball era, as we're calling it, somebody who's throwing strikes early is going to have early season success. But eventually, you're going to start to see those hitters adjust quickly to the fact that he's throwing strikes, and they're going to start to look for it.
2: Absolutely. And and staying with uh, pitchers that um, you know, we we took shots on in, in the draft season this year, guy that we highlighted as a sleeper candidate uh in the pitching department. That's Frankie Modis in in Oakland. Uh, we both love him. Uh, I don't own him anywhere. I just didn't like where he went uh in a couple of our drafts, probably all because of you. Um yep. but but ultimately a guy that has delivered in his first start. And and you had an interesting point about changes in his repertoire that I think maybe our listeners would love to hear about. Yeah.
0: He added a nasty looking slider that seems to have been, he had, he had good movement on his fastball, a uh, solid change up. And now he's added a very good slider and that's a pitch that just can change. When you have an out pitch that can't make, that you can't make contact with as a hitter, You're not going to end up with a lot of balls in play. And now he's added that to him. Now he didn't have some massive K game. He pitched six innings. He got six Ks, but to take that back to last season in 65 innings in the pros, he had only 43 Ks. So I don't think he needs to be a a caper inning guy to be a successful major league pitcher. But if he can be that he's going to end up being ranked higher and higher as the year goes. And to get six innings in your first start, it's a great thing to get the win. It's perfect. Um, you know, he had, what did he give up? Three hits and no walks. I love it. And I think that there's more to come from him. I don't think that's going to be the best start of his year. Uh, you know, looking at some of the other guys who had kind of good one-off starts, but didn't get the end results, like a Corbin Burns who had 12Ks. Like, that's great. I've got Corbin in a couple of leagues, but he was giving up hits. <laughs> he was walking, guys. Like, it it wasn't clean. Montes looked really clean. Um, and I'm looking forward to uh, getting his next start. Uh, hopefully, he's playing on the East Coast, so I don't have to stay up late. But
2: um. <laughs> well, and and kind of jumping back onto the position side, uh, another guy that really kind of got the short end of the stick in free agency this year, and that's Adam Jones, who's now a part of the Arizona Diamondbacks. You know, if he was he was definitely not overly excited about the way his offseason played out and I don't blame him but at the same time uh, he didn't have a great season last year and he kind of stuck it to the Orioles not letting them trade him at the deadline so I think he kind of maybe uh, landed in the wrong column for a lot of teams because they didn't like how that maybe went down and from his perspective he didn't really get a chance to go somewhere else get reinvigorated and maybe make a run Uh, for the playoffs so I think he did some serious damage to his free agent stock by making that decision but he's off to a red hot start nine for 24 three bombs unfortunately all solo bombs um, and no walks that would be the only thing um, red flag ish for me but he is hitting the top that lineup in Arizona Um, you know now that he's kind of got things rolling a little bit David Peralta ironically after a rough start has got rolling Uh, to the tune of 10 hits here. So, um, you know, ultimately, I think those two guys are going to make or break that team. Still think they're uh, Paul Goldschmidt away from being good.
0: Um, Not that we're going to say much about Christian Walker other than he's stepped in and has hit the baseball a few times. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it could be a lot worse. I think Adam Jones, two of his three home runs, I believe, were starting the game. Last night it did. Um, And Merrill Kelly came in, got a quality start. Uh, good for him and then John Duplantier came in three innings for the save so it was two major league debuts one with a quality start and one with a save that was some kind of wonky record that nobody really cares about but uh, yeah. Adam Jones again though he's typically been a higher K guy and uh, what was it last year 93 K's last year in almost six I guess that's not high So, but sorry I was thinking higher in the sense of uh, not Moncada territory but so far in 24 AB's he's only got 4 K's so Um, you know, he he's somebody that should get picked up. I'm sure he's owned in a lot of places, even though he didn't have a contract coming into the year. I know in a lot of our leagues people just took him because they knew and they knew he'd get picked up somewhere. And if you were saying that about um Kimbrell, you might be cross, but if you were saying it about Jones, you're probably pretty darn happy right now.
2: Absolutely, I agree. And then, you know, jumping back into the bullpen, uh, this is you know, guy you highlighted, and I think due to your love for your bullpen guys. Uh, I'll let you talk about them. Um, and, and we'll just maybe put some central music on in the background and let you take it away. Oh, baby. I'm talking about Nick birdie, the <laughs> relief pitcher. in <laughs>
0: Pittsburgh. Um, <laughs> it's, it's nothing crazy. It's nothing to get too uh, excited about or, or go over the top with, but um birdie's come in. He's pitched in two games, one, 1.2 innings, five K. So he's K'd everybody, for his outs he has given up a run um and given up what two two hits i think but i mean this is a guy who i can see very quickly ending up as the setup guy in pittsburgh and he's still got rookie eligibility so depending on your format he will definitely it this year as a rookie and could most likely i think he was a Rule five he could most likely um still be rookie eligible and possibly buried on some of the better teams in your deeper leagues. So he's a good guy that I would go out and put an offer out there for. And I would be willing, depending on your setup with your team, I'd be willing to give up a pretty solid prospect knowing that he's going to get opportunity. And uh, everybody likes to say that Pittsburgh is where pitchers go to get better. I know we've discussed that we think Tampa Bay is now the spot to be doing that. But at the same time, if you're going to, look for somebody who could get you closer numbers without being the closer Nick birdie to me is hundred percent. That sleeper guy, go for him.
2: Well, and he's absolutely a guy that in a lot of smaller leagues, who's going to be available, right? Like he's, yeah, he'll just
0: be sitting there. Yeah.
2: Yeah. He's not going to be, if, if you're in a 14 teamer or 12 teamer, like he he's going to be available. It might be a nice addition uh, to your bullpen to kind of get you some either holds or saves um, very quickly without having to acquire them. So keep that in mind. Um, you know, I do think he has an outside shot at being a starter in the future as well. Um, and that's that's another thing to keep in mind in the deeper leagues, uh, that he could, you know, carry some value later on that way as well. So, you know, sticking with the guys that are hot, there's a handful of guys that start the season hot uh, and then fall off into oblivion. So uh, this, this section here is a, a look into guys that are red hot right now, but are either sell-high candidates or guys that you need to keep an extremely close watch on. So um, top of the list here for us, I think, is Jock Peterson, a guy that, you know, as you said before the show, uh, in his last 300 at-bats has some pretty crazy um, fantasy value, Uh, but that's where it kind of stops. And ultimately, our concern is that he loses that value year over year about halfway through the season, his shine kind of wears off and he finds himself splitting or platooning in the back half of the year.
0: Yeah, he never ends up taking on left-handed pitching because he's a lefty masher or sorry, a righty masher. And he this year is starting up kind of him and, and Alex Verdugo are splitting time. And Verdugo is going to take on the lefties and he's the younger athletic top prospect type. And Jock Peterson is the, you know, helped the team in, you know, in the playoffs a couple of years ago. Uh, Hits made some important plays and and runs for the team. But at the same time, he's always losing time as the year goes on, kind of like a Jake Lamb type where they're really good on one side of the ball and they need that other half to fill in to make them a complete player. So as good as Peterson has been, like huge hesitation on doing anything other than holding him if you have him. I certainly wouldn't go out to make a move for him if he's on the waiver wire and you have an outfielder that got hurt. Go for it. Why not? You don't know where this leads with him. Usually by the end of the year, it's 20 some bombs, but at the same time, you're not going to see close to 600 at bats from him. And if you're in a weekly or daily lineup, uh, he's somebody to, to look at for streaming early in the season, but he's certainly not somebody that I'm going to invest anything in.
2: Well, and, and if you do own them, like sell, like that's, that's a real thing. Get rid of them. If you can get some value for him right now, uh, he's probably as valuable as he's going to be. That doesn't mean somebody on the other side is going to want him. But uh, if you have a a, a a buyer, then then take that. Uh, unless you're in some sort of league that values platoon players.
0: Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. I looked into what it was like last year. I, I was trying to figure out what was going to happen in in LA before the season, and somebody had said something to me about Jock Peterson, and I kind of played dumb, like, "Oh, I think he's primed for a big year." Thinking to myself, well, last year he lost his job. So I'm not sold on Peterson into the future. And especially with Verdugo, not, you know, Andrew Tolls, who I don't even know what the heck's going on with that guy. Uh, he never reported to camp. So I just, I'm not sold on Peterson as a stick around guy. And like you said, Ty, if, if somebody offers you something of value that helps your team uh, in dynasty format, I would I would sell him off. And I would just not worry if you see him in the highlight reel in the next couple of weeks or even a month.
2: Yeah, I agree totally. Uh, sticking in the, the NL West, Christian Walker who we talked about already uh, in the Adam Jones conversation, a guy that is red hot as well. Um, the only thing I'll say here with Christian Walker is there's still a lot of unknown with him. Uh, I do think this is a very much proceed with caution, but Arizona's put a lot of stock in him. Uh, they They were trusting him enough to ship Paul Goldschmidt out, so you know somebody that definitely walk on eggshells with but keep an eye on him like he could be a good addition in your shallow leagues he could be a a you know potential buy in some of the deeper leagues uh just you know one of those guys to be very careful with i think he'd be a guy that i'd put a hold on not a buy or a sell uh for now depending on your position if you're deep at first base uh trade if you're not probably hold Agree on
0: that point. I would definitely say hold. And depending on your league, uh, league, he's a rookie right now. So minor league eligibility. So to me that kind of gives you a little tick up because depending on your contract or if you're in a, an auction type league, he's going to be a cheaper player depending on who has him. They might think, Oh, I got, you know, house money here. I didn't expect anything from him," Uh, or they could think to themselves that this guy is just going to, you know, be done at the end of the year with me anyway, or in three months we're not going to know who he is. So inquire if you don't have them, and your first base is weak, like I have uh, Chris Davis in one of my leagues, and that was uh, because I also have Pete Alonso, who we can talk about if you want, because it's it's not the worst thing in the world. But I protected myself in in the Pete Alonso sweepstakes by getting Chris Davis. You now Clearly, that was a bad idea on the Davis end, but Christian Walker is a guy that. I'd be happy to say like hey I'll I'll take a flyer on him like I don't know what's going to what's going to happen with him but you know it seems like he now has a role on Arizona which is a team that is not going to be overly competitive based on your current roster construction Christian Walker's a guy I would look for as a potential bench guy because again he will have minor uh, minors eligibility in Fantrax. if things bottom him out for him you can probably still throw him back in your minors at least until the end of the year and potentially
2: cut bait well and i think on the chris davis thing too uh from a protection standpoint you just give him a tight black t-shirt uh, and have him check people at the door um, <laughs> you know i think that's that's the extent of the protection you're gonna get from him this season but um, <laughs> you know switching... he had an rbi off of a walk
0: <laughs> yesterday all and right that's
2: the highlight of his season That's <laughs> not gonna work um you know he and he did it off a guy that just wasn't meant to be in the majors at this point this year, so
0: yeah, poor uh, Sean Reed Foley,
2: yeah exactly. <laughs> um, you know, stick it on the infield, you know, a couple of middle infielders coming up next year. Uh, Colton Long after a huge start, uh, in St. Louis, um, I think he's just in that position we've talked about at the back of the train a little bit. Um, for me, that is an underrated position in a lineup. I always look back at you know uh, a Robinson Canoe in New York in his younger days hitting in that six hole uh, it's just you get all of those high on base guys in front of you uh, that or and or are, are slugging guys in in their in scoring position already so you know there's a if you can capitalize from that position uh there's there's a lot of opportunity there um he stole a couple bases already uh, and in that that St. Louis team's just really really good and I don't think that he's going to have too, too much competition for second base anytime soon.
0: It's always crowded in St. Louis, right? Like no matter what, at some point in the year, there's too many players for one position. So, But cool. like
2: Munoz is not going to be the guy to take his spot though. Let's be serious. Right. Right. But
0: I just mean like this has happened before where, you know, you get off to a hot start and you know, as the year progresses or they do something right. Like, you know,
2: yeah, absolutely. And I mean, on the same kind of conversation, we're looking at Tim Beckham in Seattle who had a red hot start to the season and oh, has yes, already, he he's already started to plateau a little bit. So, you know, major red flags here, uh, especially with JP Crawford around the corner, uh, just kind of sitting in the wings, probably waiting for the contract um, to to get right by by him and and move into that starting job. I mean, Tim Beckham has some upside, right? He's got a surprising amount of pot for a little guy uh, and he plays a decent shortstop. So, you know, it's not like they're just going to hand the position to J.P. Crawford. But again, um, Tim Beckham's a guy that isn't long for the starting job, whether it's, you know, three months or a year, that's kind of yet to be determined. But a, a guy that, that had a hot start, uh, it, it really should be looked at as um, equity right now and can you turn them into a little bit more value uh, moving forward that's the way I'd be playing Tim Beckham right now
0: definitely I have one Beckham share well I guess two because I picked him up off waivers thanks to some injuries uh, in a 12 teamer uh, but the one deep league. I have him in, uh, I have DD and I'm waiting for him to come back. So Beckham's a place filler. That's what he is to me. Just like he is in real baseball right now. Like you just mentioned Ty. So, uh, the fact that in my CBS league, my 2014 points, he scored 37.8 points last week. Um, that is going to be his season high. Yeah. That's, no doubt. That's the, the, like if he does it again, he's just going to, his numbers are going to be skewed because he's going to have too many points in two weeks. It's just going to make him too valuable. Uh, I'm not looking at anything with Beckham other than thank you for week one. I appreciate the dominant win that you gave me. But otherwise, you know, if he can be a league average guy from here out, he's he's going to help you until we see that transition period. And, and who knows if Seattle's going to try to, move players at the rate in which toronto is right now where you know we're four games into the season and even before first pitch toronto traded or five five games in toronto traded um a starter in morales to oakland they've now traded a starter in pilar so at some point seattle might want to be doing the same thing whether it's holding on to the salary that they have to get something back for the players but if beckham's doing okay he could be trade bait but same thing in Dynasty, you got no idea where he's going to be next year. So yeah. there's no point in investing in him unless the bottom just fell out for you, unless you had already lost Didi. You have now since, you know, seen somebody else not make the starting lineup and you just need fillers. Um, Like if oh he's third base eligible in some, way, in some formats too. So regardless, like he's just off to a good start. That's all it is. It's not, this is better than who
2: he is and don't get too excited about it. Absolutely. And, and a guy that, Um, on the same side of the infield, McCall Franco in Philly looks to have a little bit of a different approach early here. I mean, we've talked about how good that Philly lineup is top to bottom. You have to imagine Franco is going to continue to see some better pitches here this season. Um, And and ultimately, I think that's really going to play huge, huge, huge for Franco more so than maybe any other guy in the lineup. Um, You know, Adubo Herrera there again, Franco and Herrera are kind of the back of the train combo. Both guys stand to benefit from the addition of Harper and Rimono just beefing out that lineup. Um, you know, I think it's, it will continue once Sagarev uh, gets back on track as well. So Franco's a guy for me, um, you know, it's definitely a proceed with caution. Um, but if you can acquire him from a, an owner that has had some bad experience with him that might be looking to sell high, you could – you could be on the right side of that trade, um, but you very much could be on the wrong side. So that's definitely a proceed with caution. And it's totally uh, dependent on how much risk you're comfortable with. Um, but Franco's a guy that you're either going to want to deal uh, or acquire at this point in time.
0: I'm not sold on. I mean, it's been what I've got here is nine at bats and he's done something. He's, he's walked more than he struck out, which he's usually career wise been doing. Uh, twice as many k's as walks but i mean we're talking about numbers of three and two with nine at bats but the rbis he's got seven and nine at bats too so um if this is just an upward trend as you're suggesting i'm cool with that i'm just not going to touch it (laughs) i don't own franco anywhere um i take my risks elsewhere and and stick away from him but i mean the improved philly lineup should be helping everybody that's coming back like it's helped reese uh, to this point early. Now, I know uh, Harper returned to Washington tonight and got himself booed, but um, aside from that, everything is good in Philly.
2: Well, the thing I'll say with Franco before uh, we move on uh, he just hit a bomb about 30 seconds ago. Mm. Um, and then on top of that, he's hit in the eight hole, right? So it's a really interesting spot for him because he is going to take a lot of walks, right? Because why are you going to want to pitch to the guy with all the power when he can pitch you to the pitcher, a pitcher right? Yeah. So huge huge advantage for him um getting some walk totals bumps this year which should increase his value significantly um that way a to your point like it seemed like an outlier when you don't look at it from where he's at in the lineup but that that's actually a fairly important component for him uh should increase his run totals a little bit too right so um a couple spikes there for him that maybe weren't there in the past
0: yeah, and we're talking about, you know, minuscule at-bats across the board for all these guys. And and the big thing for me has always been to wait until you see at least 80 at-bats and more. Typically, I want to see 150 at-bats before I start to make calls. If we say, pardon me, a good season is 600 at-bats, I want to see roughly 20% before I start to make moves. Uh, that are going to be significant in dynasty formats in redrafts you can you can be a little bit more aggressive if you see 100 at bats and you think something's trending the right way then you can go for it because it's redraft league so the penalty for messing up isn't as big and then i've been uh, pumping lucas giolito's tires throughout the offseason and thank you lucas you did what i needed you to do week one which was excel now not not at all typical because he exceeded Expectations on week one, so there'll be some regression here for sure. Um, if you see him on the waiver wire and somebody is hurt in your lineup, get him. He's probably, and in my opinion, he is the most talented and likely to succeed of the White Sox pitchers this season. I know Ty, you like Lopez. I know you love Rodon,
2: but I'm a or What would I say, Gioleiro, Gioleitoite? Gio yeah, <laughs> Leo ism yeah. or something like yeah. yeah. I mean there's no way that I'm drafting a pitcher that sounds like he has an Italian last name. That's just that is like a baseball cardinal sin. Like unless you're playing like in a parking lot somewhere, keep me away from any Italian uh on, on the baseball field. It's just it's not Leo hey, they- Lucas, throw yeah. me that slide, eh? Yeah. Just put a change up that's right come down give me the heat baby exactly so you know i think you know we've talked a lot about the guys that are red hot now now let's cool it down a little bit here um you know hitchhiker, hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy don't panic type situation uh, guys that have gotten absolutely lit. Uh, in either their first or a combination of two starts so far, uh, and let's stay on the the White Sox train since you you kind of brought that yeah. one up. Uh, let's just jump right into Reynaldo Lopez. I mean, he he got a little rattled here. Uh, I believe it was what Saturday. His was his starter, I think, um, against the Kansas City Royals. He got absolutely you know blown up mentally uh, with guys on the base path. I watched that game. Uh, he struggled with control. He was throwing over to first base. Try, he, he, I must have watched him throw about five or six uh, pickoffs to second, right? Like, he he was spending way too much time focusing on the runners, and that's a huge part of Kansas City's strategy this year, as we've alluded to in previous episodes. But for me, Reynaldo's stuff is still really good. Um, he's always going to have a little bit of struggle in control control, but that's what happens when your stuff is that good. Um, it's hard to harness sometimes so he's still going to give you elite strikeout numbers and you know here's the guy that given one more shaky start by low candidate um, because people still don't believe he's as good as he actually is uh, and like we said when we talked about pitchers uh, a couple episodes back Lopez finished the season very strong last year um, he'll be there it's still very still very very early right so uh Reynaldo Lopez is a guy that I, don't panic or, and or buy low at this point, in my opinion. It's interesting
0: that you mentioned throwing over to first because uh, it might be a White Sox thing that they're trying to work on this year because I saw Saturday or Sunday just watching, oh, it was Saturday because it was Thor's start um, where they were discussing the most uh, stolen bases allowed by starting pitchers. And the big joke is, you know, like John Lester doesn't know how to throw over to first because uh, he never does. And then last year, I think he did a few times, but anyway, uh was second, I think in stolen bases allowed last year, a 26. So it might be something where uh, rather than start the season off on the wrong foot by allowing a few of those fast Kansas city base runners to advance to second on him, Maybe he had that in his head of trying to, to squash that right away. But, I mean, you never know early in the season, too. Some of the guys carry some things over from spring training that they've been working on, and eventually things get dropped. Because I've heard stories of pitchers working on new pitches all spring training. Season starts, they drop it.
2: Yep, exactly. Yep, you're going to see a lot of those guys. Um, you know, a guy that you're always high on that kind of had a rough first start was Steven Strasberg.
0: Yeah, that was the game on Saturday I was watching. It was Washington and, and New York. I think it was Saturday. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he got his Ks. That's what he does. He's a huge K guy but he was allowing base runners. He had, I think, two walks, but there was there were always guys on early in the game, and, and he just got sunk behind. And after, I think, the third inning, second inning, he he gave up his last run. After the third inning, he just kind of cruised through to, to end it off, but a rough start for him. It wasn't great for Syndergaard either. These are two offensive, really good offensive teams, and at the same time uh, that Pete Alonso was both helping and hurting my feelings by succeeding – but also hurting Strasburg. Uh, Victor Robles was struggling in the outfield to make, I don't want to call routine plays, but to make plays center fielders should be making. And Ty, you had mentioned that. That's a wonky center field in Washington. But regardless for me, I think it's going to improve for Steven. I'm not panicking on him.
2: Yeah. And I wouldn't say it's quite wonky yet, but I, it's definitely one that, you know, as a rookie and a young kid, like you, you might make a couple misjudgments. I, He's I don't think he won, and he hit a yeah. home
0: run in that game too. So he's, you know, he's all over the map.
2: Exactly. I mean, I, I don't think Washington's panicking in any way, shape or form yet. Um, and if they were, he probably would have been in left field already anyway. So, um, you know, let's just assume he's going to figure it out. Um, but you know, it, Strasburg's the kind of guy though, if you're hitting the panic button um, you need to listen very carefully to all of our episodes. Cause you are screwed. Um but at the same you know, but at the same time up
0: to episode
2: one. (laughs) That's right. Yeah, because at at the same time though, um, you know, it's a guy that you should always keep your eye on because um if he continues to have one or two or three starts, like that might be the only time you can pry him away from the current owner. Um so keep that in mind. Like these are the kind of guys that you might only have three days in the entire calendar year where you can acquire a guy like Steven Strasburg. So if he has two or three more shaky starts, um, you know, pay attention. And the next two guys I actually um, have as very, very similar uh, watch radar guys, which is Zach Granke and Jack Flaherty. Uh, Both guys that had real rough starts. I mean, Granke got absolutely lit by the Dodgers' eight home runs. I think he gave up four of them.
0: I uh, was rough to be a new Granky owner. I typically have never paid the premium for him. And this year I stepped up in two leagues. And uh yeah, that one sucked.
2: Should we, <laughs> can we do a quick flashback uh to our pitcher rankings when one I of us the email up earlier? <laughs> one of <laughs> us said Granky is a guy to stay away from. Uh that said, I mean, he's still not a guy that you need to panic on. Uh, he's still gonna give you pretty good numbers across the year um, you're going to have a tough time finding a guy that's going to give you a consistency that you'll get from Granky. so if you own him don't panic um if you drafted him yeah and you've owned him before be prepared for you know his career to slowly start to tail off here what that means for him it's hard to predict on any pitcher but i just think if his velo continues to come down he's a guy that I'm staying away from everywhere else. Jack Flaherty is on the literal opposite end of the career, um, but has dynamite stuff. I'm really hoping for his case or his sake that the seven strikeouts in a row that he had in spring training uh, is not Close the peak of be. his season. Yeah. Uh, real but real quick. Quick. Uh, I
0: have Granky at 13 and I wrote down as a note that he was approaching his peak, which basically just means that he's still within reach of his best seasons. And um, I had to scroll way down all the way to 47 where you had him. So after week one, my, aren't you smart? Okay, continue. <laughs>
1: well, so
2: so Jack, Jack Flaherty on the other side of it for me is a guy that um, you definitely don't want to panic as an owner. He's way too young. Um, but definitely is a guy that you might be able to acquire because I watched his first start and it was awful. Um, I've not seen him be that bad in a while. So the expectation for him figuring that out in one bullpen session before, uh, his next start is is highly unlikely. So I would expect him to have one more rough go at least. Um, and you might be able to get him off of somebody if if you're in a deeper league. Might be again your only chance to do so. Sell high on Tim Beckham straight up for Jack Flaherty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh <my> God. Yeah. <laughs> if anyone can make that trade. Please post it, put it on Twitter,
0: uh, direct it to us at Dingers Pod. And we will retweet the crap out of that. <laughs> Absolutely, even, even your bad trade offers that you receive, not the ones you're making. Because uh yeah, I, I'm getting some crappy trade offers now. Uh, Andrew gets hurt, and I'm looking at uh, a previous guy in a in the Ro- the Ronnie Roto League that uh, was trying to get Stroman and a draft pick off of me. Basically, I wanted to get rid of a player to free up a roster spot because Tatis is up. And, uh, I said to them all, let's, let's talk about McMahon. Anyway, it wasn't, the deal wasn't going to work out. And then today he sent me an offer with all the guys that weren't going to work out. Plus Andrew as if I would now somehow want to like relieve myself of the burden, even though I'm going to still have control of them for two more years. So anyway, you never know what, what kind of garbage owners are going to throw your way. And if they're just trying to get the ball rolling or not, but we want to see it, it would be great to uh, check out whatever fun, exciting things are coming down the pipeline in different leagues and different formats too. So
2: well, that's I had cool. I had Orlando Arcia in Shohei Itani land in my inbox today uh, for Fernando Tatis. So that was that was actually a reasonable offer, uh, not one oh. that I'm going to accept, but uh, at least it, it at least came to play, right? Was like that in TDL, that was, yep, yeah. yeah. So that's that's what is that Cody? That is Cody, yep, yep. So baseball card collector. Yep, I, he yeah he he told me he's like I knew you were gonna do it, but I just wanted to see. So I appreciate the effort and and uh, tip of the cap to you for trying, sir. But no. So and if that had come into my
0: inbox, <laughs> oh yeah, you I would have been a lot closer to accept. Depending, I mean, I in that league, I also have story. So shortstop for me isn't a, a premium uh, position of need. But regardless, yeah, that's that's an interesting one because it's certainly is a 2020-2021 offer, realistically, versus 2000?
2: Uh, yeah. And in that league, I'm built for this year, so I'm I'm definitely not looking to sell pieces that can help me this year. I'm, I'm really not looking to sell Tatis because he's still under rookie status, too, right? So, uh, yeah, huge advantage in that league. So I that's what I said to him. I said, no way we're moving him. But uh moving on back into our Don't Panic, the last one on the list is Jose Urena. And, I mean, keep in mind here that this is a guy that, Uh, he's really only going to deliver you one of two things, uh, a whole bunch of hit batters or, uh, big strikeout numbers. Right. So that's really all you're interested in here. If you need to, to add, uh, some points and get some starts, he's going to deliver that. Um, he's going to continue to get run out there in Florida. And the only thing I'd add is I, I think he's the kind of guy that given the right situation in another market, uh, he could flourish a little bit because the stuff's there. Uh, he just can't stay consistent. Uh, I could see him doing well in, like, a Baltimore uh, if if he somehow ends up there as a reclamation product project. Um, Texas is another one. I could see him potentially landing. Um, you know, just those are the kind of things that if, if Florida or Miami is able to move him, uh, you might see him spike a little bit. But regardless, if you're in the deep release, he's going to continue to get run out there, and that's half the battle. Yeah, that, that's interesting with Rania. I just
0: see him as a typical every fifth day, the guy gets the ball. And um, I can see him, like you had said, either giving up walks. I was thinking giving up home runs instead of getting UKs. But, yeah, I mean, he's just been eaten alive tonight, five runs, I think, in the first inning. And I don't know. that You can blame Miami for it, but everybody else. I feel like there are four starting pitchers in Miami who – are not like we don't we don't have anybody on our top 75 that's in the Miami rotation Uh, Alcantara we both see as really uh, as the best prospect in it and there are other guys Caleb Smith um, Richards who's in Miami like there are people who are are getting high regard coming out of spring training but that's all just kind of like huffing and puffing we're now into baseball it's now counting so you can have two to three good or two to three bad starts and you just don't want to throw it all away. So Urania hasn't got off to a great start. Let him settle in. Like, yeah. let's just see what what's happening when the guy's going to be able to throw 110
2: pitches every outing
0: if he's doing well.
2: Yep. And then you know, continuing down the path of of guys that are ice cold and guys that we're both cutting. Um, I, if you can trade these guys, I mean, good for you. Um, yeah. But it's it's time to cut bait on these kind of guys here. And let's let's lead off with your your protection guy and Chris Davis. Um, I mean, there's just, there's a giant hole in that guy's swing. Um, he, you know, you know, I'm shocked and this is an honest statement, shocked that his career has went the way it has, but I'm also shocked that he has yet to figure out if he was to just be Anthony Rizzo and stand on the plate, he would solve the problem with his swing.
0: He's and nine with an RBI and two walks, (laughs) five K's in that.
2: Yeah. Plus, whatever he did tonight, right?
0: Like, he, they played. Right, right. Yeah, sorry. This is before tonight. So, like, I don't know. It's, it's like him and Trumbo. And we've talked about this before where it was the same offseason that Batista was wanting like 150 mil and Davis was wanting 150 mil and Davis got it. And how smart does Toronto look today when Batista's not in a major league uniform right now, not in a triple A uniform, not playing professional baseball. And Davis is, I think he was batting. Sixth in Baltimore um, like this is a guy who's fallen off a damn cliff and yeah. you see guys that that age poorly or stuff happens but I mean you would think a slugger as he was like a huge slugger like he was taking walks he yes he did strike out a fair amount but that's because he was an aggressive hitter now he just seems like a shell of himself yeah. almost yeah. like he was getting pokes in the butt and after yeah. those stopped and I don't mean from a teammate in a sexual manner whether or not there was something going on with performance enhancement with Davis, you could simply state from his stat line decline that yeah, maybe there was something going on. But regardless, like we've seen other players who have been able to come back and be good, you know, like uh, Nelson Cruz, Melky Cabrera, everybody else that uh, ever met uh, Jose Canseco. These are guys that can still have careers, and for some reason, Davis is I'm sure only in the lineup because Baltimore doesn't want to eat that money yet. That time must be coming soon.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be a pay to go play somewhere else or or retirement or, you know, something along those lines. Uh, But you it can't continue where they're at right now, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, and if, if Baltimore had the prospect depth now, they might be trying to do the Toronto of, please take our guys, we'll pay, you know, 90% of the salary. But I don't think anybody would honestly want to take Davis until he, at the very least, can bat 230. And that wasn't at all the case last year. So he'd have to prove it big time, but another teammate of Davis and somebody much younger, but as we both agree, somebody who we are now turning the page on in a dynasty format, any dynasty format is Dylan Bundy. Um, I really enjoyed Dylan Bundy in 2016, 17. He got off to a hot start in 16, I think. And I was able to flip him for Trevor story. Thank you, Smitty, our 14 team league. And um, I'm just, every year it seems like Dylan Bundy should be better and every year Dylan Bundy is not and i can definitely see this year being the year where Dylan Bundy is just just hot garbage
2: yeah well and i we talked about before we jumped on here today i mean for me Dylan Bundy is the future closer um cut a cloth like real i think could be a real dominant two pitch pitcher uh out of the bullpen like i think he could be real solid and so the problem for him is that Baltimore's not really in a position to get him there yet. So um until the pitching depth comes up behind him, he's kinda kinda live in that that no man's land. So um that's that's kind of just what he has in front of him. The only thing I'll say is Jeff, uh what is it, Jeffrey Perez or Jeffrey Ramirez or whatever that guy's name is, um, is sitting in the minors. So I mean they could in theory do it today, but um I I don't think there are any Rush to get that done. I, I just think that's where he ends up, whether it's in Baltimore or somewhere else. Uh, that's a totally different animal.
0: But regardless of what's going on in Baltimore, they're going to keep putting him out there because they don't want to win. It's a race to the bottom, and ideally a higher pick for Baltimore. And until they do something in baseball to uh, make it worthwhile to win, then teams like Baltimore will happily put out Davis and the Bundy types. So somebody on the other end, on a uh, Tyler Naquin, who you believe has trade value i own in a couple of leagues and would desperately like to get rid of um, maybe we should talk but uh, i see naquin as a guy who just is not making it in cleveland as an MLBer. and whether or not he gets a change of scenery i just don't know that i'm going to see him succeed he had one brief stint in 2016 and uh, 16 i think and that's been it for him so and and we've talked
2: And we've talked about him in the outfield, you know, conversations before. uh, He's a guy that I think still has upside value. Um, You know, Cleveland really squashed his potential. I mean, the thing, baseball is a rhythm sport, as are many sports. But, you know, I think they really broke Tyler Naquin when after a real solid 2016 season, they kind of banished him. And I think he's the kind of guy now at this point in his career just needs to go somewhere else. He'll be the MLB player. Um, that replaces the other MLB player coming to Cleveland in a trade. That's that's where I see Tyler Naquin value. Is he going to be value right now? <clears throat> Definitely not. Is he going to be value in two weeks? No. Um, but it, could he be value in July or August? Absolutely. And so just depends on where he goes, what the expectation is. Uh, he's the kind of guy that very easily could end up buried in the minors uh, in that Andrew Tolles conversation that you mentioned earlier. So um, it just really depends on how this plays out. A guy that again we're getting rid of, and and you know, but a guy that for me, I'm just putting a little bit of a of a watch on him just in case he ends up in a positive situation.
0: And I like right now, like he's he's hit three in Cleveland for yeah, I think he's 0 nine, something like that. Um, you know, he's a lefty on a pretty balanced lineup in Cleveland, but I mean, injury riddled. We still don't know how much longer Lindor is going to be out there doing further testing. He doesn't seem to be. Progressing properly, so if you're wedged between Jose Ramirez and Carlos Santana, you should be seeing pretty good pitches. They've got Greg Allen. They could use Jordan Luplow if they wanted to. Leotis martins in center field. Uh, Cargo is going to come up and take time. Uh, who is it? Jake Bowers is going to come up or is up and taking time, and then um, Bradley Zimmer is going to come up and he's going to take your job. So I just don't see where Naquin's going to fit in, and I can kind of see him as like a Dalton Pompeii. And for anyone outside of Toronto, if you're saying who exactly a guy that just cannot make it with this club so maybe yeah maybe the trade is what he needs for dynasty value but to me he's sitting on a couple of my um, benches and I'm just thinking like he will be a throw-in in in a trade if I'm lucky
2: yeah absolutely no I I hear you I, I mean I'm not saying go out and buy at any point in time but just
0: yeah yeah that's not what I was thinking but just you know
2: Yep, exactly. Should
0: have trade value and I understand where you're coming from and I think we should talk after the podcast about it.
2: <laughs> so so the guys that actually have real trade value and also, you know, potentially real fantasy value is the combo of Hunter Renfro and Emmanuel and Margot. I mean, they're they're in a deep uh outfield in, in San Diego uh that, you know, although it's deep, really lacks guaranteed star potential anywhere out there. Um you know, I think the the expectation is one of these guys was going to run with that third spot, uh, and neither of them really have. I mean, run for no question, guy has light tower power, uh, but has really never showcased it in a way that San Diego would be happy with the outcome. Margot is kind of the complete opposite player, a little bit of a hit tool um, in the speed element, but again, hasn't really translated that hit tool to the pro game in a way that san diego is happy so you know for for us like we're we're just seeing kind of dead weight here um both these guys could be post hype guys but but i've never been high on either of them to be honest with you i'm not high on them now and i'd probably never be high on them well
0: Renfro i think is starting his first game of the year right now today and uh like you got Francie cardero who's out there pushing for playing time And Will Myers, is he's an outfielder now. Like, that's who he is. He's no longer this third base, potential first base, whatever. He is a left fielder. And that means that you are trying to figure out if Margot is going to be your center fielder of the future because certainly Renfro is not a a center fielder. He's a left fielder, right fielder guy. Well, we've just established that Myers is your left fielder. So your right field in um, San Diego is now either Framiel Reyes, Franchi Cordero, or Hunter Renfro. And I don't see Renfro being able to be the utility kind of outfielder guy. So to me, he's the riskier of the two. But again, he's got the most upside because he could hit you 35 bombs. And I could definitely see a situation where San Diego's doing okay this year. They feel like, you know what, let's get a a wily vet. And we could find out that Renfro's out and later in the year Margot's out and they might be relegated to the bench. But, you know, Franchi Cordero isn't even 25. He, I think he'll finish this year 24 and Margot's the same, in the same boat, but uh, Renfro's 27. I can see Padre saying, you know what? We gave you your chance, homie, and you know what's he got left for options? Two years or two options left. So I could see some changes coming in San Diego in that vein, and it, it lowers both of their value because they don't play, although they're outfielders, they don't both play the same outfield position, and Margot does not offer the pop that two years ago people were thinking, ah, this could be a 10 to 15 guy, a 25 stolen base guy. That's not who he seems to be anymore. And, yes, we're early in the year. But you know what these players are based on previous track record. Well, it
2: would be interesting to see, like, a a San Diego-Seattle trade here. Um, Seattle could take on Renfro as a buy low, send back starting pitcher, right? Like, there Mm -hmm. could be a real fit there.
0: I was even thinking Malik Smith going back. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I think they would rather stay away from the outfield death. I mean, they if they wanted Malik Smith, they probably wouldn't have traded Socrates Brito today. Um, you know, that's – I mean, the reality is that you had a player of that kind of cut of cloth already. So I think that w- if they were going to do that, they wouldn't have made that trade today. But um, could be wrong there. I, I think there's a higher need for an MLB-ready pitcher in San Diego.
0: Yeah, I, I was just thinking more of the to- – seal margot's fate at the same time as you're breathing new life into renfro you could pop both of those guys um to seattle and then margot could again be the center fielder but you'd at least have uh the dh possibility for renfro because so, sure so you have
2: bad. you have malik's position that much higher above margot uh
0: i i think i would just say that you could put malik smith in and he could play the position whereas with Manuel margot you're not I'm not a hundred percent sold. Like definitely Smith's value is higher than Margot's
2: right now. I would agree with that. Yeah, totally. I just, I don't know that I'm willing to sell Margot for that cheap yet. I, I think if you're giving up Renfro, it's a pitcher. I think if you're giving up Margot, it's a pitcher um, selling them together, I think is a bit of a, as a selling too early on both of those guys. I, I think you're right on the Renfro thing. 27 status chance. Give him a spot to go play somewhere else. The AL makes a ton of sense where you can DH a little bit too, right? Yeah, and that that's
0: more what I was thinking. I was just thinking Margot in the trade, like in a you know potential trade, just for the sake of moving that person. I think I think that's a good thing. And then finally, on on the um, seller cut is Brian Dozier, who you listed. I was again, as I mentioned, watching the Washington game over the weekend, and um he made a really nice play on a shift. And they talked a lot about how you know he's a smart player and. As I'd mentioned to you, I'm not sure if that was just the announcers trying to be nice or if that is Brian Dozier as a new member of Washington. But um, he always sucks the first two months of the year. And last year, he just kind of continued it through for all of the months of the year. And it just didn't pay off um, in LA. I don't own him anywhere anymore. He used to be a guy I was really high on. And now I'm out. So I agree that you've got him on the seller cut list. If you can make a younger second base option out of brian dozier i would do that
2: yeah exactly and i mean for me you know dozier started over 10 um uh, what did he do tonight he's he's i did get a hit tonight right so there we go absolutely spiked his batting (laughs) average to 091 um so you know yourself still a long (laughs) way to go but um you know definitely a, a start so we can we can say that but Yeah, I'm out on him too. So our last category of the evening is the buy low guys, which if you're a fantasy owner, this is where you win your championships. Can you absolutely host somebody for a trade at least one time a year? Because if you don't, you're not winning. That's just fact. Unless you're in a bad league and you're able to draft whoever you wanted, um, then you should have to at least get one good trade over the finish line um, to to win your, your league that year. So Speaking of uh, drafting and hanging your hat on it, did you want to bring up friend of the show, Glenn, right now? Ooh, yeah, using up all of those those picks. Uh, so we have a 40 transaction limit in our 14-teamer. Um, what What is he at right now? Do you, do you have it in front of you?
0: I don't have it in front of me, but I thought you had said he was uh, approaching or at the 25% mark, so 10 uh, drops or pickups.
2: Yeah, he's at nine right now out of nine, 40, okay. and we're, what, six games Ooh. in? We're still in our
0: week one because it's been
2: extended. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's that's a hefty first week, uh, bailing hard on the draft strategy. Uh, but but moving into guys that are by lows, um, you know, we've talked a little bit about Miami already, and I think JT Riddle is a great place to start um, in your deeper leagues. Here's a guy that just is not going to be challenged for playing time uh, unless he totally drops the ball, which. Is possible, but um, you know, a guy that should give you respectable numbers at the shortstop position, uh, especially if you're, you know, a guy that that is a DD owner. It's a great handcuff um, yeah. if you can manage to have both of those guys. To,
0: to me, he's just going to play in Miami. He's kind of, you know, like you talk. I've talked a little bit about pitchers who are going to get the ball every fifth day. He's a shortstop who's going to, you know, start five out of six or six out of seven. Uh, Miami does not have the depth to remove him from the position if he struggles so he's there and he's the kind of guy that i want to fill in and if he for some reason is league average or better it's a bonus but when we're talking deep leagues you want guys who are going to be able to get at bats and sure their case can hurt you if they're not i mean he's not going to be a big home run hitter so obp or ops could hurt a little bit and his average might not be great but you need counting stats and and somebody like this it can be on base he can get you some steals and we'll just have to wait and see what's happening. But he's a certain perfect buy low guy early. He's had success, so somebody might be thinking, oh, I'm going to get rid of him." Like we just talked about in some of the seller cut guys. Here's somebody who might say, "Oh, JT Riddle, like I would like to get rid of him. I've got two years left on this contract. I'd pick him up."
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it's it's exactly that. He's a nice depth piece at the very least, and a upside guy to give you uh, some control over the shortstop position. Uh, a guy that should be playing shortstop but has definitely struggled at the Keystone uh, is Lourdes Gurriel. Uh, a guy that for me his ADP was way too, way too low this year. I mean he was going uh, really really early because he had that that nice hitting streak going last year. Um, the kid can hit. He's squeezing the bat a little too tight right now, um, and, he, and he's really struggling. So. Uh, a guy that, that is definitely a buy-low candidate right now. Uh, he's going to have a little pressure on him, though, with Alan Hansen coming in from the polar trade that went down today. But, um, you know, here's a guy that, that definitely has the ability uh, to be an everyday major league player. He just might need a touch more seasoning and or a step back, maybe down into AAA real quick until he can reset and get back going again. But um, a guy that can hit and a guy that you could definitely buy low right now.
0: Yeah, I think so. Like outside of leagues where you've got a couple of uh, big Blue Jay fans, I think he is reasonably speaking affordable uh, through trade. Now, the fact that he starts and the fact that he's young uh, are things that are going to make it a little bit more costly. But I mean, I'm sure your smart roster uh, or sorry, you're smart fantasy owner and you've got a decent roster, you can find somebody that can be, you know, acceptable in a trade. And depending on your true thoughts on some of the remaining guys that we've got to talk about. Maybe you can wheel and deal one for one here, um, which would put me into somebody that I, I'm still not sold on in Jose Martinez. I, you know, I, I know we got the two year extension, but I still see some issue with him long-term playing time. They're talking about him as a left fielder now and he, you know,
2: whatever. He's just, there, not- there's no questions about playing time. Like that is the concern, right? Pretty hard for a guy to get this, his stuff figured out. Uh, If he can't get any at bats, right? Definitely, yeah. He's not getting sent back, so no. I mean, if he continues to struggle, like the the outcome is a trade at some point, right? Like get somewhere where he can get some at bats. You know, again, those ones we've talked about: Baltimore, Seattle, uh, Miami, maybe, right? Like there's there's spots where he can go to play. Um, It's just it depends on what St. Louis. Uh, deals with on the injury side throughout the year. There's no questions I'll say about this. Uh, St. Louis is deep everywhere. Um, maybe the deepest team at the pro level in all of baseball. Well,
0: I mean, there are others. I think I think Colorado's proven that an injury, a critical position in first base hasn't affected them or shouldn't affect them, but regardless, yeah, like M- Martinez is an MLB player. He should be if you're in the big league you should be somebody who's not necessarily in a starting lineup for a team unless they're already succumbed to injury so I'd look at him if do you want to discuss his teammate or do you want to go um, back to the city of brotherly love
2: let's go back to the bro- city of brother love uh, a guy that I'm buying low on I just think he again similar to the Franco conversation earlier he's just in a position where um, doesn't have a whole lot of pressure doesn't have any competition for his job um, he's just going to get good pitches to hit. Um, and that's Odubel Herrera in Philly. Um, you know, a guy that, that, you know, for a while there was taking three hole hacks um, should have never been the case, but that's not his fault. Um, yeah. So, you know, ultimately that's, that's a guy that I'm high on. We talked about before, I think there's a, there's a peak in his home run totals some point in this year, once he gets going, still very very early and this is a guy that is already in a lot of people's fringe anyway Um, so I think it's a guy that I think is gonna have a pretty good season by the time we're all said and done uh, and a guy that I think he can get way below his value so um guy that I like a lot and that's why I've got him there
0: he's three for 13 counting tonight's game which is in still in progress so um, you know but Two runs and, and, uh, what are we here? A couple walks. Yeah, two walks, 3K. So, he, if, if he's able to walk, I mean, it's so early. It's funny to look and be like, two and three. Oh, if we project this out, <laughs> it's like sheer death to your fantasy season. But, I mean, for a guy who usually strikes out four times for every one walk he takes, if he's able to keep it anywhere closer, then you can see some improvement. But I know last year he hit. Like, I think a lot of his home runs were barely over the fence. So he hit 22, and a lot of them in different parks would have been different. It doesn't matter. They went over in the parks he was in. But That's right. To me, again, he's a guy I'm steering clear of, but it, it doesn't mean that he doesn't have value depending on your league, depending on your format.
2: Yeah, so for me, Dakota Hudson is the last guy on the list here. And, you know, I, I, I like him a lot. Uh, from a lot of different perspectives. I mean, here, the biggest take on, on Dakota is that he's in the starting rotation because he won the job because he's very good in the spring. Um, he's got great stuff. Um, but he struggled in his first start against a very good team. Um, and if he goes out and does that again, here's a guy that in most people's opinions, the fifth starter in St. Louis, um, by low, because the worst case scenario you have for Dakota Hudson Um, is that he is a high leverage reliever with the upside of if, you know, Jordan Hicks has any struggles, he could end up in that final inning at some point this season. Um, So, you know, the risk to acquire a Dakota Hudson um, is, is definitely very, very low. Um, And so for me, it's, it's a guy that you're either buying or holding big time um, because the stuff's there. So it's just a matter of what role he's going to play and you know if he if he puts you in a a bad spot when he changes roles or if he continues to stay in the role then so be it um but don't trade him i mean friend of the show ronnie made a big move uh really early in the season and or before the season started before the season
0: yeah in our points league a 30 team points league
2: and it will be the biggest mistake he makes this season outside of picking a fight with you and i rob so uh you know ultimately that is a guy that, that we really like, and I think the the downside is is limited. So uh, if you can buy Dakota Hudson, you should be buying. Yeah,
0: he certainly is an MLB guy. He is not going to go back to AAA to work through something. I think he will go from the starting rotation if he's to move out of it and go into the bullpen, as you had suggested. And last year in 27 and a third innings, he had four wins. This is bullpen work, but four wins one loss and 11 save holds. So if you're talking about potentially 27 outings, if you want to say he was only pitching an inning at a time, he gave you 15 positive counting stats for wins and saves. That's outstanding. So that's a guy that is a buy low. Yeah, baby, bring it all day. Yep. Yep. Eligibility still
2: smash that accept button. Yep. I agree. Um, and a guy with, with a huge upside in points leagues as well too. Right. So Uh, doesn't mean he's going to reach that potential, but I I think he's going to be given the runway here because the replacement John Gann is more than capable, but is certainly not a guy that has the same kind of upside that Hudson does. So, uh, a good runway here in front of him.
0: Yeah. And, and Ponce de Leon, who was also up last year and had very good numbers is not the same type of pitcher. He's probably of, of the uh, Bylos, He's probably my favorite target of them.
2: Yep. Totally. So, you know, send us your buy lows. Let us know who who you're trying to buy in your leagues. Hit us at Dinger's Pod on Twitter. Um, you know, we, we love hearing uh, people calling out. And, you know, the thing that we didn't touch on tonight is the five-year, $52 million extension for my boy, Randall Gritchick. So, I am not the only Gritchik believer. Um, and, you know what, he went off last night for uh, a bomb and double and was rewarded with $52 million contract today. So um, let's see where that
1: goes. But